Blog Talk Radio. the cross that 
Shalom, shalom, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Lord's Hour. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here. May God bless you. May God bless you. Praise the Lord. Tonight is going to be a great uh, program, brothers and sisters. Uh, it's going to be a very good Bible study. Uh, the Lord guide me to do this. Praise the Lord. Shalom, shalom. And uh, praise the Lord. Then uh, uh, when I'm done with this, my brothers and sisters, I have a very good CD uh, from a, a, a pastor that uh, the Lord was very uh, pleased. God, hallelujah. He liked this preaching, so I'm going to play that later. Uh, but first, we're going to we're gonna uh, go into prayer. Amen. We're going to go into repentance. And um, and we're gonna welcome Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Because without them, we can I cannot do anything. This is all the glory is for God, Jesus, Hallelujah, the Holy Spirit. This is all for Jesus, Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for everything that you give us, Lord, for all the blessings that you give us. I praise you, Lord. I give you the glory and the honor to you, Jesus. This is all for you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Thank you, Jesus, for always, Lord, looking out looking out for us, protecting us, Lord. Lord, I pray, dear Lord Jesus, that, um, that Lord, that you will put words in my mouth, Jesus, that it will be, Lord, uh, pleasing to you, Lord, uh, for your people, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray this. I pray, I pray this. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, forgive us our sins, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. We truly repent, Jesus. Please, we're so sorry, Lord. We're so sorry, Lord. We repent, Jesus. Cleanse us. Cleanse us, Lord. Cleanse us. Cleanse our heart. Purify our heart, mind, and soul, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for... Lord, for uh, forgiving us, for um, give, giving us, Lord, grace every single day, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We give you the glory and the honor, Lord. The victory to you, Jesus, is yours. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, Lord, Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Jesus, into this place. Hallelujah. Oh, let it rain. Let it rain, Holy Ghost. Let it rain. Let it rain, Holy Spirit, from north, south, east, and west. Let it rain. Let it rain. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, take charge of our protection, our family, our children. Oh, Lord, cover us with your blood, Jesus. Cover the Lord's hour, Jesus, with your mighty blood. Protect us, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke, hallelujah, all those demons and principality in the name of Jesus, out of the Lord's hour now, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. All of those demons that are trying to attack in the name of Jesus, I destroy their powers by the blood of Jesus, hallelujah. I destroy in the name of Jesus their powers by the blood of Jesus, I break them by the blood of Jesus, hallelujah. And I rebuke them all in the name of Jesus. And in the mighty name of Jesus, I send them all to hell in Jesus' name. Praise God. 
from north, south, east, and west, up and down, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua, hallelujah. Oh, the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's done. It's done. It's done. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, Holy Spirit, let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. Holy Ghost, minister. Minister your people. Minister your people. You take control, Holy Spirit. You are in charge, Holy Spirit. You take control, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, I praise you. I adore you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, God, it's so good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We have an awesome God, my brothers and sisters. We have an awesome God. So the uh, the message tonight, the power of invitation. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, one of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew's, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. John 1, 40, verse 41. If you have a Bible, please open your Bible at John 1. The title tonight is Me, Jesus. Hallelujah. And we are going to see tonight how that happened for the first disciples. How did the first disciples meet Jesus? What can we learn from this about how people will meet Jesus and follow him tonight? John, John uh, 1 records a remarkable week in the ministry of Jesus, starting with uh, John's testimony, verses 19, verse 28. When uh, he confessed that he was not the Christ and that he, his ministry was to call people to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Then in verse 29, the next day, day number two, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then in verse 35, the next day, day number three, the disciples of John become disciples of Jesus. Then in verse 43, day four, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. If the first day was a Monday, we don't know for sure, but let's assume that for that moment, then the fourth day will be a Thursday. The fifth day will be Friday, and the sixth day will be the Sabbath. Then in John 2, verse 1, we read on the third day. That will be three days from the fourth day or day number seven. So what we have here is is the ministry of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, immerse us in your mighty presence and anointing. Praise the Lord, Sister Marietta. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. So day one, establish your identity, knowing who we are and who we are not. John said, I am not the Christ. I cannot fix myself, let alone other people. 
We don't think for one minute that we have all the answers. Christians need to be honest. Our message to the community can never be. We are here to show you how to live. We are not here to say, look at us. As if we have model lives, model marriages, or model children, we are not the Christ. We struggle with our own sins. We have tensions in our own homes. We have disagreements in our own churches. If the whole world was full of Christians, it would be a great deal, better than, um, than it is. But it will still be full of problems. That is why Paul says, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Praise God. Sinners who know that they are wholly dependent on the mercy of a gracious Savior cannot present themselves as the answer to the world's problems. There is a humility about all genuine gospel ministry, and we see it in the launch of the ministry of Jesus. I am not the Christ. I am not worthy to untie the sandals on the, uh, on the feet of Jesus. This is not about me. It is all about him. So number two, clarify your ministry, proclaiming who Jesus is and all that he does. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1, verse 29. This is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit, John 1, verse 33. We know that we are not the answer, but we are deeply convinced that Jesus Christ is. We are here to draw attention in every way that we possibly can to him and do what he is able to do for all who will believe in him. Praise God. He takes away sins. He trains people in the life of God. He can fill you with new affections, and he can strengthen you with new power. There is hope for every person in Jesus Christ. This is our ministry, to proclaim who Jesus is and what he does. Praise the Lord. So I put here day three, gather your community, nurturing the, uh, the core group of uh, committed disciples. That is our focus tonight. We look at how the first disciple came to meet and follow Jesus. I have four observations from these verses. One, the uh, variety of means by which people come to follow Jesus. The progressive steps by which people find their place in ministry. Three, the main desire by which people continue in discipleship. Number four, the divine power by which people are able to change. Praise God. Hallelujah. A variety of means by which people come to follow Jesus. 
The first disciples did not all come to uh, Jesus in, same, in the same way. They had different stories, and they found their way to Jesus by different means. So gospel proclamation, two disciples of John followed Jesus, and John 1, verse 37. They did this as a result of John's preaching. They heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God. And it was through this preaching that they moved away from him and became followers of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God is good. Praise God. One of those who left John the Baptist and followed Jesus was Andrew, John 1, verse 40. Many believe that the other was John the Apostle who wrote this fourth gospel. He never names himself in the gospel, though. He later describes himself as a disciple who Jesus loved. John uh, 13, verse 23, John 19, verse 26, John 20, verse 2, and 21, 7, verse 20. So let's go to personal invitation. Simon Peter became a follower of Jesus through the personal invitation of his brother, Andrew. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his uh, own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which, ne- which means Christ. John 1, 40, verse 41. Then these beautiful words, he brought him to Jesus, John 1, verse 42. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus by sharing his own testimony. We have found the Messiah. Here's what I have discovered in Jesus. Peter met Jesus and became a disciple of Jesus because he was invited by a friend. You find the same uh, pattern in the, in the words of Philip to uh, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we have uh, found him of whom Moses and the prophets wrote, John 1, verse 45. Think about your family uh, circle. Think about your friends and neighbors. Think about your uh, colleagues in your workplace who needs to meet and follow Jesus. Some people come to Christ through the public preaching of the gospel. That's why it is to invite people to come, you know, to the Lord's hour, to church. Hallelujah. But others are brought to Christ by the personal influence of a friend. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the next day, Jesus uh, decided to go to Galilee. Uh, Galilee, Galilee, I'm sorry, excuse me for my accent. He found Philip and said to him, follow me, John 1, verse 43. As far as we can tell, no human agency was involved. Philip did not become a disciple because he heard a preacher or or because he was invited by a friend. Jesus Christ is stepped into his life directly. Hallelujah. Praise God. Shalom, Sister House Mama. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Praise God. 
So Jesus Christ is stopped into his uh, praise the Lord. Give me one second, my brothers and sisters. Praise God. Jesus Christ uh, is stepped into into his life directly. Now let's move on. Into his life directly, Christ does this, and we shall be thankful for it and pray that he will do it. Praise the Lord. We should pray that through our personal invitations, brothers and sisters, people will know that Jesus is calling them to follow him. Praise God. We should pray that in our uh, public preaching, people will know that Jesus is saying to them, follow me. And when people in your life are not open to a personal invitation and they won't listen to gospel preaching, you can ask God to make a direct intervention in their lives to lay hold of them by his Holy Spirit and bring about a change of heart. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There will be some of us for whom that will also be true. You can't point to any particular preacher that you heard or person but be careful, you know, any, any, uh, if you heard any um, or person you met. But over a period of time, there was a, a growing hunger in your heart. And this, this led you to read the Bible and then to pray. It. And somehow in God's kindness, Jesus Christ laid hold of you. And you began to follow him, right? Praise the Lord. Praise God. It will be a good thing. It will be a good thing for you this week, my brothers and sisters, to share the story of how you became a follower of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Just let the Holy Spirit guide you. People became disciples of Jesus in a variety of ways. Our approach shall be to do all that we can in gospel proclamation, personal invitation, and prayer for direct intervention. By all means, win some. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is a, this is a very good Bible study. Praise the Lord. So the, pro, the progressive steps, Progressive, I'm sorry, the progressive steps by which people find their place in ministry. What we learn here in John's Gospel about how the first disciples met Jesus helped us to understand what happened later when Jesus called them into ministry. Praise the Lord. Now, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, now picture this, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Mark 1, 16, verse 18. When you put the gospel accounts together, it is clear that Simon and Andrew already knew Jesus and had to spend time with him before Christ called them to leave their nets. 
And it was later still that Jesus appointed them as apostles. Luke, uh, Luke 6, 12, verse 13. In these three scriptures, you have progressive steps by which people find their place in ministry. This is very practical. I want to serve the Lord. Where do I start? Hallelujah. Praise God. If you want to serve Christ, the first step is that you get to know him. We gotta get to know him, Jesus. Hallelujah. We gotta we gotta get to, to know the Lord, my brothers and sisters. And spend time with him. Walk with him in the word and prayer. Follow him with faith and joyful obedience. That is what the first disciples did, and over time they grew in their commitment to Jesus and their affection for Jesus. So that when he saw them at work in their boast, they were ready for whatever he might call them to do. Praise God. Oh, God is awesome. God is awesome. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, have you been walking with Jesus? And do you have a depth of affection for him? So that if he came along and, and told you to go anywhere and serve him, you will do it if you knew it was really him? Hallelujah. Let's go to gift cultivated, the word of God says. I will make you become fisher of men. Mark 1, verse 17. There is the uh, particular sphere in which Christ will equip you to serve him. What is that sphere for you? Where do your gift lie? If you are following the Lord, what has he made you good at? What does God bless when you do it? And how are you using this gift now? Praise God. After this, the disciples continue walking with Jesus, watching him at work and learning from him as they prepare for the work that he has for them to do. Ministry assigned. Praise God. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer. Now listen to that. They, they, uh, he continued to, in prayer to God. And when they came, he called his disciples and, and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles or apostles. Luke 6, 12, verse 13. Christ goes up, goes up the mountain to pray. There are more than 12 disciples, and Christ shows from them some whom he named apostles. There was an evaluation going on. Christ was discerning who should be giving this work and who should be giving other work. Here's the principle of intimacy. With Christ comes before activity for Christ. You want to serve Jesus. Do you want to serve Jesus? How is your own walk with him? 
Praise the Lord. The first thing is that you are his disciple, that you are following hard after him. We live in an, uh, in an activist culture, and many of us are probably activists. So you say, okay, what is my position? What am I going to do? But if activity for, uh, hallelujah, for Christ precedes intimacy with Christ, what happens is, is that you will eventually crash and burn. The second thing is that you have clarity over where your uh, gifting lays and that you start using this gift as you continue to follow Jesus. Praise the Lord. The third thing is that you trust Christ with regard to the particular ministry assignment that he has for you. Get hung up on having a position in ministry. Follow Christ, and he will make clear what he wants you to do and to be at each stage of your life. The Lord will direct you, my brothers and sisters. He will guide you. He will let you know. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the main desire by which people continue in discipleship. Praise God. So Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? John 1, verse 38. The gospel makes it very clear that many people follow Jesus for a time, but then did not continue. Some draft and, and with the crowd and then draft away. People follow Jesus for many different reasons. Follow because of the miracles in John 2, verse 23. Others were uh, caught up in what their friends were doing. So this question of Jesus to the first disciples is really important. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? There will be always be people who want who want to attach themselves to Jesus in order to use him and advance another cause. That is what Judah Iscariot did. How would you answer Jesus' question? If Jesus Christ said to you, what are you seeking? What would you say? Every heart is seeking something. What are you seeking? Praise God. Here's another question for you this week. Why are you following Jesus? Many people follow only for a time and then move. They move on because they do not get what they're looking, what they're looking for or what, or what they want or hoping for. This raises a question not about Jesus but about you. What are you seeking? At first sight, the answer of these first disciples might seem rather pedestrian, but I want to, hallelujah, suggest that they could not have given a better response. 
And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you saying? Where are you staying? Excuse me, John 1, verse 38. This is a great response. We want to be with you. We want to spend time with you. We don't want our experience of you to be a passing thing. When we, when, uh, when we happen to cross paths, we want access of you. We want fellowship with you. Now tell us, where are you staying? He said to them, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him. They stayed with him that day, John 1, verse 39. What makes the difference between a person who, pro- who professed faith and then drafts away and one who sticks at following Christ for a lifetime, what makes the difference between a person who gets attached to the church for a time and then moves on and a person who gives him or herself to ministry over the long, the, the long haul. The main desire by which people continue in discipleship is a true and deep love for Jesus Christ himself. Why does Peter come back to Jesus after all the embarrassment and shame of denying him? Lord, you know that I love you. Whatever sin you have fallen into, if you love him, you will come back to him. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, why does Paul, praise the Lord, praise God. Why does Paul, uh, uh, why does Paul persevere in ministry after so many sufferings? To know Christ, and to that end, I will do whatever it takes, even if that means the fellowship of his suffering. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I want to know Christ, and to the end, I will do whatever it takes, even even if that means the fellowship of his suffering. Even if, even, even, now listen to this, even if that means the fellowship of the of his suffering, Christians, what will keep you following Christ, even in the hardest, hardest and darkest times of your life, you love him because he loved you and gave himself for you to make you his own. Praise the Lord. Christ calls us first, not because of what we can do for him, but because he wants us to be with him. When Jesus calls the apostles, the first reason he gives for calling them is that they should be with him. Mark 3, verse 14. Whatever your ministry, Christ's first priority for you is that you should be with him. This was the great purpose for which Jesus died, that we shall be with him 
when he said, I am going to prepare a place for you. Our Lord was speaking about all that he will endure on the cross. So why did Jesus die? That where I am, you may be also. John 14, verse 3. Jesus says, I am going to lay down my life so that you can be with him, me. Praise the Lord. You have the same thing in John 17. The great prayer of Jesus. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. John 17, verse 24. Jesus wants you to be with him where he is. He died to redeem you, and he lives to bring you safely home. Every time a believer dies, prayer of Jesus is answered. Hallelujah. People who love Jesus want to be with him. We don't know where Christ was staying when the first disciples asked him, probably a a, a cave or, or someone offered him some hospitality. He never owned a home on earth. Now listen to that, my brothers and sisters. He never owned a home on earth. But now Christ has ascended to his home in heaven. And to all who seek fellowship with him, one day he will say, come, and you will see. Praise the Lord. That divine power by which people are able to change. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You should be called uh, Cephas, which means Peter, John 1, verse 42. This was a special promise that Jesus gave to Simon Peter. The the footnote says that Cephas, or Peter, comes from the word for rock. In uh, Aramaic, in Greek, respectively, why did Christ say these words to Peter? Nothing like this was said to Andrew, John, or Philip. Praise the Lord. By natural uh, temperament, temperament, by, natu- by natural temperament, Simon was fiery and impetuous. Impetuous, excuse me. Rash and unstable. What will uh, such a man's thought be when he first heard Andrew? Will he not say why I will be a stumbling block to the cause of Christ? My impetuous temper and hasty tongue will only hinder, not help. Try to picture this. Quiet angel comes to Peter and says, we have found the Messiah. And fiery Peter says, you better go and follow him then. If I follow him, I'll just mess things up. I may be, hallelujah, I may be speaking to someone tonight who is holding back from committing yourself to Jesus. You say, I know myself, and if I became a follower of Christ, I will only let the Lord down. If that is where you are, 
Look at how Jesus, uh, look at how Jesus dealt with Peter. Peter, I know all about you. I know what you are, and I know what you will be. Right now, you are an impulsive man, a sinful man, and an uh, unreliable man. But I will make you like a rock. Follow me. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Says in another place to the one who conquers, Christ will give him a white stone with a new name written on it. Revelation 2 verse 17. What will what will be? What we will be has not yet been made known. But there is hope here for every person tonight. Follow Christ and you will find that whatever you are, when you come to him, he's able to make you new. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's the power of invitation. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Knowing who Jesus is, my brothers and sisters. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1, verse 29. So knowing who Jesus is, and actually we have already seen who he is in this uh, sevenfold description of, of, of his glory. He's the eternal personal divine. Hallelujah. Creating, creating life-giving, incarnate Son of God. A better title will be knowing what Jesus does. I want to draw your attention to two marvelous statements in this passage tonight. As I have reflected on these verses, what, this, what, what has impressed me is that there really could not be a clear statement of what Jesus Christ does and what he's able to do for all of us tonight. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, John 1, verse 33. These two great works of Christ to take away sin and to baptize with the Holy Spirit lie at the center of Christian life and experience. So tonight, I want us to focus in on these two statements that tells us what Christ does, takes away sinning, and, and he gives the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That is what Christ does, and this is what he is able to do for all who will come to him tonight. Praise the Lord. Christ takes away sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1, verse 29. Remember that John was in the wilderness, and the vast crowds were coming to him. His message was, you are going to meet God, and you have better get ready to meet him. People came, confessed their sins, and to be baptized, Indicating their need to be washed. Hallelujah. Then a delegation came from the Pharisees. And John gave him a clear testimony about himself and about Jesus. The next day, John saw Jesus walking toward him. John 1 verse 29. 
John points to Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. John was speaking to people who knew the Old Testament. And that is where we must look to find what this means. Hallelujah, the Lamb is a substitute. Abraham went and took, hallelujah, the ram and offered it up. Instead of his son, Genesis 22, verse 13, praise the Lord. Oh, God, it's awesome. In the book of Genesis, we have the extraordinary story of how God tested Abraham. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a, uh, uh, a burnt offering. Genesis 22, verse 2. Abraham goes to the mountain with Isaac. And Isaac says, we have the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Genesis 22, verse 7. Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb. Genesis 22, verse 8. Isis' life is a spare because God provides a ram caught in a ticket which takes the place of Isaac on the altar of God. The ram was a substitute for Isaac. The death sentence falls on the animal instead of the boy. Now, the story always raises questions. I recall seeing a Woody Allen film in, in which the story of Abraham and Isaac is told, and then and an old Jewish man says, of course, the real question is, what kind of God will ask Abraham to do such thing? There isn't an answer to that question in the Old Testament. To answer that question, you have to go to the New Testament. There we see that the sacrifice God provided was his only son who he loved. And the whole point of the ancient story that always makes us is a squirm is to give us some sense of what it meant for God not to spare his only son, but to give him up for us all. Romans 8, verse 32. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Christ, who was with God, he was with God and is God. It's the lamb provided by God. It's the substitute whose life was given in the place of his people. The lamb is a sacrifice. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two door doorposts. In the lintel of the houses. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Exodus 12, 7, verse 13. We came to the story of the Passover when the judgment of God uh, swept through the land of Egypt where God's people have been slain. God's people sacrificed a lamb and painted the blood of the lamb on the, do- the doorposts. And lentils of their houses, and God said, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The life of the lamb was given, the blood of the lamb was shed. Roll the story forward. And in the New Testament, John says, Behold the Lamb of God 
Jesus is the substitute who will stand in your place. Oh, thank Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. He's a sacrifice whose blood will be shed on your behalf. The lamb is the sin bearer. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1 verse 29 again. Praise the Lord. Isaiah makes it clear that the lamb who will be the substitute and the sacrifice is a person. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted like a lamb that is that is led to the slaughter. Isaiah 53, 6, verse 7. The lamb of God will come among us. Is a servant. He will be despised and rejected. The Lord will lay it on him the iniquity of us all. He will be led like a lamb to the slaughter. When John sees Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Praise God. Notice the word sin is singular, not plural. Sins are only the effect of cause, and the Lamb of God came not only to take away the, hallelujah, individuals, individual sins, but to deal with the sin question as a whole. He not only atone for all our acts of sin, but he died for what we are as sinners by nature. Within this heart of mine, there are tendencies to sin that are worse than any act of sin I have ever committed. This is true of us all. We are sinners by nature. Sin dwells in us. Christ died to put away sin. Not not merely sin, but the sacrifice of himself. God took all that in he took he took all that into account when Christ hung on the cross. Christ died to take away sin. Sin as a barrier has been dealt with by Jesus Christ, that goes for sin in your mind, heart, desires, imagination, as much as sin in your words and in, 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 in deeds. Behold the Lamb of the way, the sin of the world. What happened on the day of atonement gives us a powerful picture of the Lamb of God taking away sin. A live, a live goat was brought to the higher priest, who will then place his hands on the on the goat, on the goat's head, and confess aloud the sin the sins of God's people. That is a long prayer. When the high priest placed his hands on the head of the goat and began confessing it, symbolized. A transfer of sins. He should put them on the on the head of the goat 
and send it away into the wilderness. The gold shall bear all their iniquities on itself. Leviticus 16:21 verse 22. The gold was taken away, never to be seen again, and their sins were taken away with it. Now John says, Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Notice the the present tense. The great work of bearing sin took place once for all on the cross. But Christ rose from the dead. Hallelujah. And ascended to heaven where he lives to take away the sins of his people. Christ is always taking away sin by the continual intersection of his blood in heaven and a, and a continual influence of his grace on earth. So what must I, what, what must I do when I become aware of sin in my life? I must give it to him because he is the one who can take it away. Christ takes away sin, and there will never be a time when I do not need him to take away the stains, the failings, and the sins for me. Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. Your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As you follow that the theme of the Lamb in the Bible, is the substitute and sacrifice who takes away sin. You will see, hallelujah, a, a, a widening stream of God's mercy. In Genesis, the story of Abraham, the substitute is for one person, Isaac. In Exodus, the story of Passover, the sacrificed lamb is for one family. In Leviticus, on the date of uh, atonement, the the escape goat sent out into the desert is for one nation, Israel. Praise God. And in the New Testament, when Jesus Christ comes, John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For whom is this good news? Jesus Christ is good news for people who want to get rid of their sin. Christ takes away sins. If you want to hold onto your sins, the coming of Jesus Christ will not sound like good news to you. There was a time in Jonah's life when he wanted to run away. Remember how God how God dealt with him. But he came, hallelujah, to a place of saying, those who cleanse the worthless idols for for fat the grace that could be theirs. Jonah two verse uh, verse eight. When you come to the place of saying, I want to be clean. I want to be free from my sin. Hallelujah. I want to get this off my shoulders and to be done with it. I would like to have 
my record wiped clean before God to be at peace with him and to know that for me there is no condemnation, then the coming of Jesus Christ is very, very good news for you. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Faith begins here. You believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then you personalize. If he can do this for the world, then he can do it for me. Praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as often as you become aware of sin in your life, you have a Savior to whom you can come. You, you have a high priest to whom you can confess, and he can do for you what no one else in the world can do. You can confess your sins to Jesus only. He can take your sins away. Jesus can do this for you because he is the Lamb of God. He is the substitute, the sacrifice, and the sin bearer. Christ gives the Holy Spirit. Praise God. This is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. John 1, verse 33. The word baptized means to dip, immerse, or saturate. If you roll this together, baptized speaks to us of an abundant supply. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. So to be baptized in the Spirit is to be drenched, saturated, or filled with a very, or filled with the very life of God Himself. Ephesians three verse nineteen. Think about what that will mean if you were immersed in water. There will be a certain wetness about you. If you were bathed in light, there will be a certain brightness about you. If you were um, if you were dropped into a tent of um, of a uh, of, of, of a sewage, there will be a certain order about you. Whatever you are, immerse. Whatever you are immersed in will impart something of its nature to you. Water imparts wetness. Light imparts brightness. Sewage imparts odor. Let's think about that. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Here we are being told something wonderful. Jesus Christ immersed people in the Holy Spirit of God. If you were to be drenched in the Spirit of God, there will be a certain holiness about you. You will find a new thoughts in you and new desires. When certain desires arise in you, you will be able to resist them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. Praise God. Notice what Christ does. It's described in the present tense. Baptizes. So this is not just a one-time thing. 
It isn't a going and pouring of the Spirit in the life of a believer. This is what our Lord was referring to when he said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John seven thirty seven verse 38. John goes on to say, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit when he said this, So as you look to Christ and believe in him, the life of the Spirit will flow in you. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, John 1, verse 33. The ministry of Jesus is to take away sins and to baptize with the Holy Spirit, and he never does the one without the other. He takes away sin and goes on taking it away. He drenched in the Holy Spirit and goes on pouring him out. So in Jesus, there's forgiveness for the failing of yesterday, and there's a strength for the challenges of today and tomorrow. Christ fulfills the two great promises of the Old Testament. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. Ezekiel 36, verse 25. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Ezekiel 36, verse 27. For whom is this good news? Jesus Christ, the good news for people who hunger and thirst for God. Praise God. It's not good news for people who are satisfied with their religion. There are many people who will say, I was baptized as a baby. I go to a place of worship. I pray when I feel that I need to. I sometimes give. From time to time, I read the Bible. I belong to a good church, and that is all I need. What more could I want? While there were people who felt like that in the time of Jesus. The people who came to John in the desert were different. They were circumcised. They were to the synagogues. They kept the festivals. But for all that, they felt that they were not yet ready to meet with God. They knew that they had sins to confess, and in their hearts, they had a deep longing to know him. So they came to the desert. They confessed their sins. And John baptized them in water. Then Jesus came and, 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 and John said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The next day, Jesus walked by again, and again John said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And when John's disciples heard this, they left John and followed Jesus. Of course. <laughs> Why in the world will they stay with John? He is not the Christ. He said himself that he was not worthy to untie the sandals on the feet of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Shalom, Brother Alan. Why will anyone stay with John when they could follow Jesus? John could hear, John could hear confessions of sin. 
but Jesus can take sin away. John can baptize with water, but Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Don't settle for outward. Don't settle for outward forms of religion. Jesus Christ says to you tonight, I have come to do for you what no religion in the world can do and what no other person in the world can do. I have come to take away your sins and to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. To the humble and to the hungry, this is the most marvelous news. Hallelujah. Behold, look at this. I want to say to you tonight, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit, John 1, 29, verse 33. People who are humble and hungry will respond. This is what I need and this is what I desire. I want tonight in a fresh way for my sins to be taken away. I want my life to be filled strange, uh, saturated, and immersed. Now with some of the uh, muck that has been filling me, but with as, with as much of the life of God as I can possibly contain. Are you ready to join those who are saying, I will follow Christ, I will walk with him, I will believe in him, and look to him? As you do, you will find life indeed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me... I'm going to have some water. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Praise God. Following Christ is the most beautiful thing, my brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. Oh, God is awesome. God is awesome. Hallelujah. I was... um. Praise the Lord, working on all of this. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And the Lord guide me, my brothers and sisters. And while, you know, I was into this, you know, it just makes me, makes me cry, makes me, um, you know, be more close to God. God is is there, my brothers and sisters, in every occasion you're going through in your life. Um, He offers salvation, his salvation to everyone who wants it. Please be wise, friends that are listening, and take, you know, Jesus as your Savior. Get and get get life. Being with Jesus is being alive because He's life. Hallelujah! It's so it's so it's so beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to know God, to have a relationship with the Lord. Praise God. Praying and talking with the Lord. He came tonight. He visited me. He came. We sat down. 
I was, you know, cooking some dinner. I offered the Lord some food. He told me he already ate in heaven. <laughs> Praise God. And my beautiful, you know, my wonderful, beautiful Lord, he was sitting right there next to us, eating with uh, with us. And knowing that he was there, just knowing that, that he's, you know, he's here. Hallelujah. It makes me so happy. And he's so humble. He was sitting uh in uh in in, in you know, I got a uh, a six um chair table. He was sitting in uh in in one of the chairs in the middle and I said, No Lord, please sit in by the end of the table because you're the king of kings. You are uh, the owner of this house. You're in control, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. To get to know him, that he's our savior, my brothers and sisters, is the most beautiful thing ever. To know that Jesus is there with you, please do not do not be worried about anything. Please, my brothers and sisters, he hears our prayers. Anything that you do that 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 you need, you know, for uh, you know, in your life, you're looking for something um, for a job or any any anything else. You know, pray to Jesus, talk to the Lord, let Him know He hears you. He hears you. If you want, you know, your relationship with your husband or uh, wife to get better, let the Lord know he's there. Hallelujah, praise God. You know, there uh, last week, um, my uh, my parents, the Lord took them to a place where they're supposed to be. Uh, we're not we're not living together, praise God, anymore. And uh, you know, I say praise the Lord because I praise God for everything. Um, I was feeling, you know, last 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 week I was feeling sad because they were leaving and it happened so fast. You know, my brothers and sisters, it, it remind me the rapture. Because it happened so fast, I was not expecting it, and that's exactly how the rapture is going to be. You know, we're not going to know, we're we're not uh, we're not going to expect it. You know, we're, it's just it's going to be like like that. It's gonna it's gonna happen so fast, and um, so I was I was helping my parents move, and and then you know when they left, because I was. You know, we were helping each other for, what, five or six years? And, um, you know, it made me feel like, you know, sad. And, and the Lord was with me. He was coming every, every, almost every day to my house. And he was letting me know, it's okay, daughter. Don't worry. Don't worry. You know, you should be happy because where I'm taking them, they're going to have everything. And, uh, and and you should be, you should be happy. You should be happy, daughter. And I said, yes, Lord, you, 
you're you're doing it for because you know you know you know it's 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 the best because you're doing it. So you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord for everything, my brothers and sisters. So now I know, praise God. Now I know how also some people feel lonely. You know that um, when you just just you by yourself, okay. I have my children, and 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 you know I I have I have Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. When I don't have my children, then it's just me by myself. I feel, um, you know, I feel sad goes away when Jesus is with me. So if you're going through that situation, my brothers and sisters, you know, praise God. Praise the Lord. When you praise God, you're going to have that joy. That sadness is going to go away, you know. Uh, you're going to feel happy. Praise God. That loneliness is going to go away because Jesus comes and fills you up. I've been asking God all these uh, two weeks, uh, you know, to fill me up. And and uh, and he does. Excuse me. He does. Praise God. And he knows and he understands when we feel like that. Because, you know, when I was here by myself, the Lord came and the Lord gave me, uh, you know, the, the Lord gave me joy. And in my loneliness and my sadness, you know, he gave me, he gave me joy. Praise God. And I was just letting him know, I said, Lord, um, give me more of you. Give me more of you, Jesus. Give me more of you because I just, you know, I would like to uh, give more. um, I would like to serve, you know, more people. I would like to, uh, you know, feel more compassion for people. Praise God. I would like to, you know. Uh, give the word of God correctly, you know, and and I was just letting the Lord know. The Lord was saying, yes, daughter, here it is. Receive it, receive it, daughter, here. It's for you, for you. And my brothers and sisters, so this goes for you too, okay? Whenever you feel lonely, whenever you feel sad, just go to the Lord. Ask in prayer, put some Christian music, anointing Christian music, and that will lift you up. Praise God. Whenever you need anything. Uh, you know, I have um I have I have had a, a few people and uh they're letting me know, you know, that to pray for them for certain uh things and my brothers and sisters. Yes, I pray. I pray for you. But remember this. Jesus hears your prayers. He hears you. You do need something or you do need uh, to do something for your life or or maybe someone is, is, is coming and you're not sure in your life. Give it to the Lord. 
And I, 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 I guarantee you, my brothers and sisters, that the Lord will confirm it to you through prayer and fasting. Okay? Praise the Lord. That's what I do. I just, I just go to the Lord for everything. Lord, I feel this way today. I go to the Lord. Lord, I do need a, uh, you know, a different job. Praise God. The Lord said that he will provide. He will give me another job. Praise the Lord. Or, Lord, I, I, you know, I will like this or, you know, whatever situation I'm going through, I just give it to the Lord and I wait for the answer. Because one thing is, my brothers and sisters, listen to this. Whatever circumstances you're going through and you give it to the Lord, you expect an answer from God. It might be that you might say, oh, but God doesn't hear me because I don't get any answers. Oh, but I don't think that, you know, um, that I'm that close to to Jesus or uh, maybe I am too sinful and who knows if God hears me. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. That is incorrect. Jesus forgives you when you repent. He forgives you. And we have a loving, loving God and merciful God, my brothers and sisters. Don't ever think that, uh, you know, let me let me just let Pastor Albie know or let me let me just let Sister Carla know because they're so close to Jesus. And, you know, they hear the Lord and the Lord is there with, with them. No, my brothers and sisters. God, I'm not special. You are special too. You are special and special and special to God. Okay? And, and God hears you also. You are his son and you are his daughter. God loves you. God cares for you. He protects you. He provides for you. Whatever you need, he will give it to you. Just, you know, just walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. Be close. Get close to God and pray it and fast. And you'll see, my brother and sister, expect that answer. Just expect it. You know, just trust God. Trust God. Lord, is it okay? Is it okay if I do this? Just go into prayer and fast. You know how one time I got my brothers and sisters, uh, one of the times that I got a uh, an answer uh, from God, and it was so fast. It was when I fasted. When I fast, uh, one day, just dry fast. No water, no food. Second day, no water, no food. Third day, no water, no food. And on the third day, my goodness, I was seeing, I was seeing miracles. I was seeing everything what I needed. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And the Lord, during those days, removed things that weren't in his plan. He removed those things from me. He removed people also that were not in his plan. Three days fasting. 
But then, you know, but there's, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to judge. Um, don't know what the case might be for you. My brothers and sisters, if you're not fasting or if you're not praying, um, it's gonna, you know, it's it's, it's gonna, you know, God, God still hears you, but it's it's just not the same as fasting and praying. Praise God. That's my advice for you, because God loves obedience. He loves obedience. And, if you know, when you obey God in a prayer and fasting, he'll give you the answer. He'll say amen, and he'll give you the answer that you need. But you will have to do the sacrifice, praise God. Number one, obedience. And, 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 and the other thing, praying and fasting. And I, you know, I can pray. Pray for you, and uh, and you pray also for me. We all need prayers, my brothers and sisters. I pray for you. You can pray for me too, and I will appreciate it. Praise the Lord, my brothers and sisters. Take it to the Lord. Don't feel bad, please, please, please. Do not feel bad. Okay. Uh, because we have all felt short from the grace of God. We have, you know, we all sin. We all make mistakes, my brothers and sisters. But we have a perfect God that we can trust in him. We can, we can follow Jesus. And let the Lord know. Let the Lord know. Say, Lord. Pour on me what I need. Pour on me more, more of you, Jesus. I'll pray for you. Praise God right now. Praise the Lord. Jesus. Oh, Lord, God Almighty. Oh, Lord. I pray, Jesus, in your name, Lord, that you will answer, Lord. You will answer your people's prayers, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will provide for them, Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that according, Lord Jesus, to their need, their need of your people, Lord, it will be answered, Lord. I pray for them, Lord, bless them, Jesus. I pray for them to be protected by your mighty blood, Jesus. I pray for them, Lord. that they will trust you, Jesus. Lord, let them know, Lord, somehow that you, Lord, let them know, Lord, that you love them, that you hear their prayers. Lord, I pray that they will have dreams and visions, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you you will remove laziness away from your people, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah, I pray this. Lord, have your people, Lord, uh, pray and, and fast more, Lord. I pray that they will walk in obedience towards you, Jesus. 
I pray, Lord, that they will love you, Lord, with all of their, their heart, mind, and soul. Lord, I pray that you will pour more of you over their lives. More, Lord, give him more of you, more of you, Jesus. More of you, Lord, more of you all over them. All over them, Jesus, all over them. More of you, more of you, more of you, Jesus. Let it rain. Let it rain all over your people, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, answer your people prayers, Lord. Answer them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray for them, Lord, that they will hear your voice, Lord. Hallelujah. I pray for them, Lord Jesus that you will strengthen them, Lord, in their faith, Lord Jesus. Empower their faith, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they will that they will be close to you, that they will have an intimacy relationship with you, Lord. Oh, Lord, because you want, Lord, you want to talk to them, Jesus. You want to be with them, Lord, in the secret place. In the secret place, Lord, you want to be with them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, I feel, hallelujah, that God, he wants, he wants, he wants more of you. He wants he wants you, my brothers and sisters, to be in the secret place with him. He wants you to spend time more with him. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, pour on them, Jesus, what they need. For you, Lord, what they need from you. Poor, poor, poor Jesus. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Jesus. Hallelujah. Touch their heart, Lord. Their mind. And strengthen them, Lord. Let them feel your love, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Help them. Help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My brothers and sisters, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord, my brothers and sisters. He's there with you. He's there with you, too. He cares for you. You are his bride. He cares for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now listen to this video, my brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me see if I can if I can get the praise God. Praise God. Give me one minute, my brothers and sisters. This video uh is it's a very it's a very it's a very good message. It's gonna also help you and it will give you encouragement. Praise the Lord. When I listen to this message, I cry, my brothers and sisters. 
and I was partial. Praise God. Let me see if I can get it here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hold on. Promises regarding David's influence. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm going to have enough Valium. Give me a minute, brothers and sisters. Let me know if you hear it. still have much to learn about ministry, about pastoring, and about preaching. As I stand here this morning, prepared to preach, I'm tempted to feel timid. I'm tempted to feel as... Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, I have the privilege of participating in Momentum, a group of in this building every Friday morning. You know what I see happening? I don't know if uh, I see the I'm sorry, President, this is a word for guidance. Just give me one, give me a, a one more minute here. I'm sorry. Um, uh. I'm tempted to feel timid. I am confident. And as the word is preached, hear it. Please bow your head with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for bringing us here safely to church. We thank you that you have provided us a place to gather and worship you. We ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would fill this sanctuary. Remove from our thoughts any distractions, anything that is directing our gaze away from you. This morning, may we hear the words that you desire to speak to us. Have you ever felt lonely as a Christian? Have you ever looked around and wished that there were more people still following God? You know, I felt that way when I graduated from college. I went to a school called Rice University down in Houston, Texas, and we had a big outdoor graduation ceremony. And I remember standing in line waiting to go up and receive my diploma. And, of course, with a Z last name, I was at the very end of the line. And, of course, the line was moving really slowly. And there was a girl standing next to me also waiting to go and receive her diploma. And so we're trying to kill time, making small talk. She's telling me about her future plans, what she wants to do after she graduates. And after a few minutes, she stopped. And she asked me, she said, well, what are your plans? What do you want to do after graduation? And I told her, I said, well, I'm a Christian, and I feel called by God to be a pastor in his church. And she looked at me, and she laughed. And she said, I'll never forget this. She said, 
I didn't know that people still did that. I didn't know people still did that. You see, in her eyes, Christians were extinct, and if not extinct, an endangered species, a relic from a previous age. Sure, we had had our heyday 30, 40 years ago with the Billy Graham crusade, but we had no role in the world today. Not in the world of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Not in the world of Netflix, Hulu, and Uber. Not in the 21st century. You see, she looked at me and she saw someone who was not only Christian, but actually considering God as he made his future plans. She couldn't help but laugh. I was an alien from a foreign planet, a character straight out of a 1950s sitcom. And in that moment, I felt very alone. I looked around at my peers, and I saw a group of people, many of whom were not thinking about God, many who had long since decided that God would have no role in their lives. And slowly, doubt began to creep in. Could this girl be right? Am I crazy for thinking that God exists? Am I insane for believing Jesus to be Lord? And even if she's not right, even if God does exist, even if Jesus is Lord, is it really worth it? Is it worth it to follow him if it means that the rest of my life, the world is going to look at me the same way this girl just looked at me? As though I were an outcast, a nut, a laughing stock. I imagine that many of you have had similar experiences. You're having a conversation with a coworker, a friend, or family member who's not a Christian, and something slips. You mention God or church or Jesus, and you get that look. You know what look I'm talking about. Same look that girl gave me, the look of astonishment, bewilderment, perhaps even a bit of pity. Oh, you're one of them. You're one of those last remaining Christians. You still hold those cute ideas about God. And in that moment, doubt begins to creep in. Am I crazy? Is it worth it? Fortunately, we are not alone in experiencing this doubt. This morning, we are going to look at a passage of Scripture where the disciples, the very first Christians, experienced similar doubt. And my hope is that by reading this passage, We will be encouraged in our faith. Our foundation will be strengthened so that on that day, in that moment of doubt, we will be able to stand firm. So look with me in Luke chapter 13, verse 22. And as you turn there, I'll go ahead and share some background context on this passage. Jesus is with his disciples, and they are journeying to Jerusalem. And as they journey, they are stopping in the towns and villages to teach about the kingdom of God. Now, as we read, I'm going to take note of two important things. First, a question that Jesus is asked. And second, an honest response that Jesus gives. So pay close attention to both the question and the response. Luke, chapter 13, verse 22. He went on his way through towns and villages, 
teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? I'm going to stop there for a moment. So Jesus is with his disciples. They are journeying to Jerusalem, stopping in the towns to teach about the kingdom of God. And one day, one of the disciples stops, looks at Jesus, and says, Lord, will those who are saved be few? There's our tough question. Will those who are saved be few? Now, what could have prompted that question? You know, one possibility is mere curiosity, simple intellectual curiosity. He wanted a number. He wanted a final tally. How many are going to make it? But I sense more to this question than mere curiosity. I sense that this question is straight from the heart. The disciples are following Jesus. They're looking around, and they're realizing what's happening. They see their numbers shrink as people turn away. They see how the world treats them. They hear the severe predictions that Jesus makes. And they begin to wonder, what have we gotten ourselves into? How many of us are actually going to make it? At its core, they're asking Jesus, Lord, how hard is this road going to be? You know, it reminds me a bit of when you're young and you go to an amusement park to ride your first roller coaster. And you get in line, and at first you're confident, you're brave, you're unafraid. But then the line begins to move forward. And you begin to hear the screams of those who are already on the ride. Right? Through the trees you catch glimpses of the twists and turns that await. And you begin to wonder, what have I gotten myself into? I think a similar sense of fear, of panic, is creeping into the disciples. So they ask Jesus this tough question. Lord, will those who are saved be to you? At its heart, Jesus, how hard is this road you've called us to travel? And so he responds in verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Jesus is asked a tough question, and he gives an honest response. How hard is this road going to be? Likely, much harder than you expected. He says, strive to enter, for many will seek to enter and will be unable, for the door indeed is narrow. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says, strive to enter? That's a phrase that doesn't sit very comfortably with us. It sounds a bit like works righteousness. It sounds as if Jesus is saying, earn your way into heaven. And we know from elsewhere in Scripture that's not how salvation works. Salvation is a gift of God's grace. We don't earn our salvation. Christ earned it for us by going to the cross. So if we would but call on his name, we'd be forgiven of our sins and receive his righteousness. So what does Jesus mean here when he says, strive to enter? I think this is one of those times where digging a bit deeper can be helpful. The word that we translate as strive has roots that are also closely connected with our English word agonize. In a sense, Jesus is saying here to agonize to enter into the kingdom. 
You see, this verse is not a roadmap with directions to heaven. No, this verse is a warning post that Jesus plants along the road. He's saying, listen, if you want to follow me, if you want to come with me into my kingdom, realize there is agony that lies ahead. We do not casually stroll into the kingdom of God. No, we strive into the kingdom of God. Jesus is not the father who lies to his son and says the ride won't be scary. Jesus is the father who lifts his son up, puts him on his shoulders, says, son, have a good look. I want you to know what lies ahead. Now, had Jesus stopped there, the disciples would have been dismayed. They would have lost heart. And so he continues. He shares a brief story to explain how we get into the kingdom and why the kingdom is worth it. Ultimately, a story that provides his disciples with hope. And so we'll spend the remaining portion of our time looking at this brief story. Verse 25, Jesus says, When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourself cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south, and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Okay, so we have here a short story. A story about a homeowner, a lord of the house, who one night hears a knock on his door. He looks outside and sees a group of people asking him to let them into his home. And he says, well, I do not know you, where you are from. And they say, well, we've, we've heard you teach, we've ate and drank with you. He says, I do not know you, where you are from. Jesus is using this story to illustrate the kingdom of God. He is the homeowner. He is the Lord of the house. He is the one who decides who will enter his kingdom. Now, one of the things Jesus illustrates with this story is the question of how. How do we actually make it into the kingdom? Notice, the homeowner does not let them in because he does not know them. It's about relationship. They say, well, we've heard you teach, we've ate and drank with you. He says, I do not know you, where you are from. We have no relationship. We have no history together. I imagine that many of you are homeowners. Pretend that one night... Late one night, you hear a knock on your door, and you see a group of people standing outside asking you to let them into your home. Now, if you knew them, if you had a relationship with them, you may let them in. But if you don't know them, if they're not strangers, they could be wearing a three-piece suit with a nice car in the driveway, but you are not letting them into your home. 
Glad to be here again on Dad Taylor 7. Today is January 31st of 2016. I know there are some sisters and brothers out there that are in need of prayer. I've received some requests. I ask all our subscribers. You know, I'm a good, ordinary, average Christian. I'm not over the top. But I don't do the really bad things either. I'm just a good, ordinary, average Christian. Hear me on this, brothers and sisters. I say this in love. That is an incredibly dangerous place to be. Because what I hear when someone says that is, hey, I'm around Jesus a lot. In the church, in the Bible study, read Smith's words in the Bible. We've kind of been there, same place, same time. There's a difference between being around Jesus and knowing Jesus. Now, you might wonder, well, what do I have to do to know Jesus? Do I have to quit my job, become a pastor? Is that what it takes? Of course not. Of course not. Let me ask you, you ever fallen? I am. you ever asked Jesus to be Lord over every area of your life? Have you ever cried out to Jesus for deliverance from your suffering? Have you ever opened up the Bible, read his words, and experienced the peace that only he can bring? Have you ever worshipped Jesus, just sang praises to him from your heart? You see, this is what it looks like to know Jesus. This is what it looks like to have a relationship with him. How do we get inside the kingdom? How do we get inside the home? We have to know the homeowner. We have to know the king. Now, clarify the how question. Jesus moves on to the why. Why is it worth it? Why should we strive to enter into his kingdom? And so, to explain the why, Jesus touches on one of our deepest human desires, the desire for rest. He paints this picture of what it's like inside and outside the kingdom. And what do we see? Well, inside the kingdom, there are great men of old, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There are prophets from the Old Testament. And there are people from every corner of the globe. And what are they doing? They are sitting at the table reclining with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but the thought of sitting at a table It's not always super appealing. It's not how I typically picture paradise. So focus less on sitting at a table and more on that action of reclining. When we think of reclining, what do we think of? We think of peace. We think of rest. These folks are not anxious. They're not worried. They're not fearful. They're not guilt-ridden. No, they're at peace. They're at rest. They're finally able to recline. Now, I don't know about you, but boy, when I'm anxious, when I feel the weight of the world bearing down on us, sometimes it almost seems as though you can't breathe. You just sense the heaviness of your own soul. Brothers and sisters, we will breathe easy in the kingdom. No more fear of failure or rejection. No more worry about finances and bills. No more guilt over terrible mistakes. 
only peace, only rest. Because we will be with our Savior. We will be with our King who loves us dearly. An old Christian once said, our souls are restless until they find rest in God. You see, that is why we strive. That is why we seek to enter the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, alongside Jesus, is where we will find rest. What do we see outside the kingdom? We see weeping. We see gnashing of teeth. And part of why those who are outside are suffering is because they can see inside. There is a window through which they can see what is happening in the kingdom. They see what they are missing out on. I think part of what Jesus is doing here is he's showing us the joy of being in the kingdom and the pain of being left out. Jesus wants to make sure that each of us has considered the simple yet frightening question, will I be left outside? Will I be left? Who is it that you will see through the window enjoying the kingdom while you are left in darkness? Your friends, your family, your loved ones, eternally separated from you. How terrible will that moment be when your cries go unanswered, you hear the door close, the tears begin to flow. They're not easy words to preach. They're not easy thoughts to consider. Jesus wants to make sure that each of us has asked that question now before it's too late. Will I be left outside? Will I be left out of the kingdom because I do not know the king? Now, at this point, you might be wondering, Justin, where's the hope? He said this is a story Jesus told to give his disciples hope. Well, notice in the story, notice who is at the table. It's not just famous people from the Bible. There are folks from every corner of the globe. Jesus is showing that the door is open. He is filling his house. He wants you to be in his kingdom. Catch that last phrase there. Jesus says, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Now to some, this is a warning. Jesus is saying, hey, just because you are first in the eyes of some in this world does not give you a free pass. Just because you're a third-year seminary student does not mean you're in the clear. It's still about knowing me. It's still about having a relationship with Jesus. To many, this is a word of encouragement and hope. Jesus is saying, hey, don't write yourself off. Don't say, well, if just a few are going to make it, then I have no shot. Not after the sins I've committed. Not after the mistakes I've made. Not after the reputation I've earned. No, Jesus is saying, hey, you might just be perfect for my message of grace. For my message of forgiveness. Just because you are last in the eyes of the world does not mean that you can't be first in my kingdom. It is becoming increasingly difficult to be a Christian 
in our day today. In many parts of the globe, it will cost you your life. In our country, we are experiencing largely social pressure, but that pressure is quickly intensifying. There will be days ahead when you feel lonely as a Christian. When you look around and wonder how many are left who still care about God. And in that moment, the doubt, am I crazy? I'm not crazy. Is it worth it? What have I gotten myself into? Jesus, how hard is this road going to be? We see here that we are not alone. The disciples experienced similar doubt. They asked Jesus a difficult question, and he gave them an honest answer, likely much harder than you expected, much more difficult than you might have imagined. You will have to strive to enter the kingdom. You will have to agonize, and there will be many who turn away but he told them a story of hope. He showed them that the door is open. He is filling his house with people from all over the globe. Yes, there will be a day when the door closes. There will be a day when your eternal fate is sealed. But today, this day, the door is open. If you would but call on his name, recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you too will experience the peace and rest of being in his kingdom. There is nothing that can deny you a seat at his table. So I invite you this morning, come, know Jesus, surrender your life to him, so that on that day, you are standing outside his doorway, It will not be a day of fear, panic, or of regret. Be a day of joy. When Jesus opens the door, calls you by name, and welcomes you home. Let's pray. Praise God. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you that you continue to, Father, I know there are people here this morning whose hearts are hard. Their hearts are hard because they are not following your son, Jesus. And perhaps there are some who are here with hard hearts who are feeling afraid. Afraid as they consider what might lie ahead. Father, I ask that that fear would drive them to the foot of the cross. May they more clearly see the love of Jesus that led him to die for them for the forgiveness of their sins. And may their fear quickly turn to joy as they experience the peace and rest of knowing Jesus, their Savior, their King. And Father, I pray for those who do know Jesus, but who are burdened this morning, whose souls are weary. I pray that they would be encouraged 
with the knowledge of what lies ahead, the peace and the rest that is awaiting them in the kingdom. And I pray that today, this day, they would begin to experience the first fruit. Be with us, Father. We love you. Amen. Praise God. What a beautiful encouragement. My brothers and sisters, that's what it is. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. God is with you. God answers you. He hears you. And he's with you. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord shine his face upon you, my brothers and sisters. Shalom, shalom. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Praise God. Glad to be here again on God Healer 7. Today is January 31st of 2016. I know there are some sisters and brothers out there that are in need of prayer. I've received some requests. I ask all our subscribers to pray for a physical and or spiritual healing for those that need it. In Jesus' name, we pray. I would uh, like to provide an update on Sister Barbara. She is able to walk now up to 95 feet. And yesterday I saw, uh, I was talking to some people, and she's very little assistance. She's, she's moving along there. She still has no movement in her left hand, and she still needs some assistance trying to get in and out of bed. She is still classified as someone who needs 24-7 care. Um, I'm planning to bring her home to do a video and sit right here, but I still think her condition is too fragile to take that chance. So now let's go to the Word. Let's go to um, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I got this word on Saturday, January 30th of 2016. Shall what is spoken today not be seen in the light of day? Shall many not be found unrepentant in these final days? Will vigilance not be rewarded for its patience? I have called the few from many to do my good works. Those that walk in the light fear no evil, for they shall soar on eagles' wings. I shall invigorate them this day, for they shall not grow weary. Once doubt is removed, what remains is hope. Gird thy loins and fight the battle, for evil surrounds thee. The wicked abhor what is good. All shall stand before me in the hall of judgment, 
and all things are visible in the light of day. It is destiny that awaits thee and does my bidding. Speak now, son of man. Speak of the time of the light. Speak of my ways. From the beginning, I am. I have created light from darkness, order from chaos. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Truth whispers my spirit. I shall remove shadows of doubt, and all shall bend their knees to my glory. My time nears, for change begets change, for what is shall not be, and all shall see the power of the Lord. Amen. So as Sister Barbara would say, Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I am announcing the coming of the glorious kingdom and all his majesty. This prophetic time frame began on September 24th of 2015 and ends on April 6th of 2019. And we are in the time of darkness. Shalom. about snowed here oh let me go a little bit slower look at this panoramic view of the beauty of God's creation here I am standing I'm not in the car I'm not in the truck I usually sit in there for privacy look at that church right there in the background that's right so what I want to talk to you guys about praise the Lord is Standing in the promises of God. 
You know, so many times, and, and I have this mm, McDonald's coffee made just right with just the right amount of sugar in it and cream, and it's so tasty. McDonald's. Anyway, <laughs> Starbucks is better, but they got some nasty stuff going on there. Anyway, let's talk while we walk and look at God's creation. What I'm, uh, what I want to talk to you guys is the promises of God. You know, there's a a guy that's a subscriber of mine. His name is uh. B. Molin, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Everybody has these weird names, you know, for anonymity. But one day I was praying, like uh, about, a, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years. And I was praying because, you see, some really bad things have happened to me in my life. And then I reacted poorly to those things. You know, God really was dealing with me in the beginning because... You know, I was, I, I hadn't served the Lord in 15 years. I hadn't opened my Bible in 15 years. Uh, I was backslidden. And then the Lord in 2011 told me, look at those clouds. Man, that's, that's gorgeous, isn't it? The Lord told me in 2011, about this time of the year or so, He said, Stop what you're doing and repent. I am coming soon. That was that was five years ago, and then I had uh, three rapture dreams where I, the rapture actually happened uh, that year. I had a total of five dreams that were rapture related, but three of them. And then in one of the dreams, the very last dream, the Lord showed me the pastor of the church that we were going to. And uh, in this dream, I was walking alongside this road. And uh, there was a little church, like a one-building church, and it had a room built onto the side of it like you would do your baptismal then. And I went into the church, and the church was packed. And uh, the pastor of the, of the other church that I go to was in there also in the assembly. And it was so packed that I was having to dodge people to try to get there. was like three or four seats left up front. There wasn't a cross on the wall in the church. There was only gold Christmas garland hanging on the entire side of the church. And it was so beautiful, this gold Christmas garland. And so then uh, the pastor of the church blocked my way. And he, said, and he put his hands out to his sides with his palms facing towards me. And he said, he said, I don't know why people in the church are attacking me. I don't know what I could have done to deserve this. And the Lord spoke to me in the dream and said, Tell him to humble himself and repent. And I said, The Lord told me to tell you to humble yourself and repent. And he repeated that again. He said, I don't know what I could have done to deserve this. And the Lord told me, Tell him to humble himself and repent or he will be left. And so I told him. And then the trumpet blew. And I began to change and started going up, and he was crying out to me and had his hands up, Help me, help me, and I was telling him, The Lord says, Humble yourself and repent. And the pastor was wearing this very unique set of clothes. I've never seen any clothing like this before, and he usually doesn't wear clothing like that. He usually wears like a t-shirt and then a sport jacket or something and Levi's or something. You know, a very casual hipster kind of guy. But in this dream, he was wearing this 
blue, purplish blue shirt with silver threads sewn through it. So it sparkled when he turned in the lighting in the church. And uh, he was wearing these khaki colored pleated pants. <laughs> and he never wore that kind of stuff. And he had a tie on and his face was shaven. He had a goatee. He'd shaven that off. And so it was very unique clothing. And so uh, the rapture happened. I went up and then I saw those uh, little stars that are snowflakes that kids make in school. And they were in the color of Israel colors, blue and white. And they were coming down from the sky as I was going up. And then I woke up. And I told my wife, and this was on a Sunday morning, so we were going to church that morning. And it was during Thanksgiving. It was his, his second Thanksgiving uh, sermon. And so we uh, went to church, and I told her about this dream. And he, I, well, I didn't see him. I was, I was going to tell him about the dream, and I didn't see him in the foyer or anything. And then right at the last song of the worship service, he came running towards the front of the building. And he was wearing that exact shirt and those pants, but he, he hadn't shaved. His beard was still there, his goatee. And he got up there, and he began to preach his sermon. I was like, oh, wow, Lisa, look, there's the clothes he was wearing in my dream. And so we got up there, and uh, after the sermon, I went up to tell him, well, let me backtrack. In the middle of the sermon, he stops and puts his hands down with his palms out like he did in the dream, and he says that. There are people in this church attacking me of the leadership, and I don't know why. And he began to tell that story just like he did in the dream. I'm sorry, I have to keep pushing my glasses up. They're sliding down my face. Anyway, here's the dealio. The dealio is, I told him, and he says, hey, everybody was clapping when he first came up to preach in the morning. He says, I know, I know, these are special clothes. He says, I've never worn these to church before. And he says, in fact, my wife bought them for me for our anniversary. And he'd either worn them one time or never worn them. He said, I've never worn them, I believe is what his words were. And he said, but I felt led by the Spirit to wear them this morning. The very clothes from my dream he was wearing. You know, and so then what happened was I said, hey, pastor, after church, i got to tell you about this dream. And, and so I tried to tell him, and he was all upset, you know. And so he, he said, I gave him my phone number, and he called me. And I told him my dream. And he said, and then while I'm telling him, the Lord speaks to me and tells me uh, that his wife and his daughter have this sickness that they're sharing over something. And then he needed $200 more a month to make his bills. And I said, the Lord told me this. He says, well... The only thing you said that's any true is the part about the money. And he says, you could have guessed that because everybody needs money. And I, I guess I could have guessed the exact amount, right? Just happened to be $200. So anyway, he yelled and screamed at me, got all mad, and told me, don't ever talk to me about this rapture stuff. He says, you're always telling me these rapture dreams, and we know the Lord's coming, but I don't want to hear about it, and I'm not going to talk to the people because it'll just get them upset and all this stuff, and you're making me upset. And then he slammed the phone down hung up on me. So, I didn't go to church the following week, and then on that Monday, after that Sunday, he calls me on the phone and tells me, look, I want to apologize. He said, everything you told me that God said to you is absolutely true. Even the part about my wife. You see, my daughter, I was a pastor in a church in uh, Colorado, and my daughter, my 16-year-old girl, was raped by one of the church members who was a friend of ours. 
And he says, I keep asking God, why would you allow this to happen to me? Why did you do this? Why couldn't you warn me? Why? Well, that's why God wanted him to humble himself, you see, because he was blaming God. You see, sometimes God does miracles where he stops things from happening. Like when I was 15 years old, I was hunting ducks, and the Lord spoke to me and told me to get up and walk down by the river. I was under a huge oak tree, gigantic we had a swing on that tree, and it was on the edge of the river. It was 22 feet, or 15, 15 to 20 feet, down to the river. And we would swing on that. It would take a full 11 seconds to swing out and come back. That's how, how tall this tree was. And the Lord spoke to me, and I thought it was my dad. So a second time it said it to me. First I took a shot, and I hit this duck, and then the Lord said, Son, walk down by the water. And I was like looking around and I didn't see anybody and the wind was blowing it was springtime and I was laying in this grass so I racked another round in and I took a beat on the other duck and then the Lord said son walk down by the water and so I stood up and I thought I said dad I thought it was my stepdad and I even walked up the hill and looked I couldn't see anybody I walked back down and I laid I started to lay back down and the Lord said son walk down by the water and then my feet began to walk and I could not stop myself I had control over my upper body but my lower body I had no control over it walked me down to the river turned me around facing where that tree was and a huge branch that weighed 1500 pounds or more fell off of that tree instantly and hit right where I was had been laying it took off four feet of the cliff side it was so huge this massive lamb that fell and it would have killed me or crippled me had God not intervened so sometimes God intervenes in people's lives in a miracle you see but other times God allows people to make their choices you see that man in the church chose to rape this guy's daughter and God allows you to do things just like he allowed Hitler to kill the Jews. He allowed Stalin to kill 60 million of his own people. He allows all of these things. He allows you and I to sin every day because he will not interfere with our free will unless it's something that's vital to his plan. Like if I would have been killed, I wouldn't be here today. When I, I worked in Santa Maria, California at an energy company, and I stopped them from releasing this poisonous gas called H2S, the, own, the owner of the company, his number one guy, was going to go out and take this two-inch valve off of this line. And if he would have done that, he would have killed half the people in Santa Maria. Had I not been there to stop him, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but God couldn't let me die because I had a job to do. I was the only one that would stand up to this guy. So anyway, back to my story with Ben Mullen. I was praying because I fell. You see, I was a Christian. It's during my ministry just, you know, three years ago or two and a half years ago when this was happening, when I found this out. It happened in October 30th of 2012. I found something out that was so hurtful. It destroyed my entire life, all of my memories, everything. It's just a really bad thing. And so I was trying to repair that and all this stuff, and I was doing things I shouldn't do. You can't get back something like that when it's lost. So anyway, people make their own choices, and so I was fall. You know, I caused things, a division between me and God, and so I was praying, and I was on my face at my computer while we were living in the garage, and I was saying, Lord, can you spare me? Will you spare? I was crying out for like an hour, and this brother 
was on there, and the Lord spoke to him while he's typing to me. And I don't know that he's typing to me, but he types to me. The Lord, he says, Brother, I really liked your last video. It's really great. But uh, he says, the Lord is speaking to me. He said, the Holy Spirit hasn't spoke to me in three years. And he is now speaking to me, and he's telling me, tell him, yes, I will spare him. And so, yes, I will spare him. He says it over and over again. He says, he's shouting it at me right now, brother. Does this mean anything to you? And I just said that. For an hour, I was praying, God, can you spare me over what I've done? You see, God hears us. And that's a promise. You know, and even today, as I live my life today, there's a lot of times I wonder, what is happening to me? What is going on? And so what, what I'm trying to say is, you know, you have to have faith. You see, I'm going to have faith and believe because I know God spoke to me that day and said, yes, I will spare you. So no matter what happens to me, no matter what the devil, my enemy tells me, I'm going to have faith in God, just like the three Hebrew children. You see, they had faith. They believed that God could spare them, but they also believed that even if He didn't, they were not going to bow. You see, no matter what comes your way, do not bow to the enemy. Do not give up. So that's your word for today. I want to say God bless each and every one of you. I want you to have faith. I want you to be strong in Christ. You know, the Lord loves you so much. God Almighty, the creator of all of this, all of this, He made it. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what the real miracle is? The being that made all of this loves you so much that He sacrificed His own Son for you, for your sins, to pay your penalty. That if you would believe in Him and repent of your sins, that He will save you. And He, it is He, God Almighty, who sanctifies you. Read Jeremiah, where he talks about bringing the clean clothes to Joshua. You see? That's it. The clean clothes are from God. It's a gift. You see? And what we do is we work towards our salvation by imitating Christ. By loving Christ and being repentant when we sin. You see, there's a daily sanctification that goes on in your life. You must be born again and you must repent when you sin. That is the command. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the thing to do. He loves you so much. He loves you with all of his heart and he he sacrificed His own Son to repair what Adam did. That's how great a God we have. I say we need to rejoice and love the Lord. Seek His face. Stay in His Word. Pray always, as the Apostle said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before Your throne in the name of Your Son, Yeshua. and We ask a blessing upon those that are listening. We ask that if there are any that are lost, that they would repent and seek You, God. Look for You. Father God, we ask that you'd undertake for the infirmities of those who are, who are listening, that you would help them in their finances, God, that you'd give them strength to know that even no matter what dire circumstances they find themselves in, that you are there watching over them and protecting them, even as you did Daniel and those men during the time that Nebuchadnezzar had taken Israel and Jerusalem captive. We thank you, Almighty God, and we bless your holy name, and we praise you. We offer our praise unto you because you are God Almighty. You are the Creator. 
We thank you in the mighty name of your Son, Yeshua. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is Minister Paul, a watchman on the wall. This is a praise report on February 1st um, concerning Phoenix and Tempe, Arizona, and Operation Jesus Matters, the seventh state that the Lord has led us to. I landed there Friday with Brother James. On Saturday, we had a prayer meeting and a I remember Sister Shell and her husband Tim was in there, and uh, Manuela and her daughter played worship music, Brother James was there, and Sister Ruth uh, King, and I want to give Jesus Christ glory, and the, I logged it all on my Facebook in real time as it happened, so I'm going to spend some time on my Facebook, and we're going to give Jesus Christ some glory today. I'm going to show you, uh, and then I'm going to ask you to pay special attention to something that needs your attention. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you do not want to deny his name, then I want you to take a look at this link and pray about whether you should say something. So I want to start off with, we might go backwards, but this is the fastest way I know to make this video. After the prayer meeting, which I'm going to let Ruthie's testimony speak of, she's put it in words better than I can about the prayer meeting on Saturday. On Friday, we went to, Brother James and I, as soon as we landed, we went to the uh, the Capitol there in Phoenix, and, and uh, I want to show you what's on top of the Capitol. But we'd heard the night before, a lot of things happened. The night before, we scheduled this, I bought my airline tickets to go to Phoenix on December 20th. I want people to know that. So it was six weeks out that we scheduled this trip because the Lord told me to go to Phoenix. The night before I got on the plane, on January 28th, 2016, the article broke out about the Phoenix City Council considering allowing the invocation of Satan and prayers to Satan at their city council. This is what was occurring, and people were, this article was going viral as I'm landing there in Phoenix, even though I planned to go there six weeks in advance. Because I heard, what do we do? What do we do? We hear from the Lord and we obey the Lord. So what we did after this miracle service that I'll discuss in a minute is uh, we went down, to, we, we were doers of the word, not just hearers only. We went down to the city council. You can see inscribed on the window here, this is the, the city council where the decision will be made whether they're going to they're gonna allow prayers to Satan or not. We walked around this whole entire building. I laid my hand on every single entrance and exit that these uh, people can go through. And I prayed that as soon as they walked through that door, they would come under a Holy Spirit conviction to make the right decision. And we ended up and we lifted all our hands in the air and we prayed for them. And we prayed for the state of Arizona. The decision they make is going to affect their future. Here's uh, Sister Manuela, Brother Tim, Sister Shell, myself, and Brother James Bergen. 
and I believe taking the picture is Sister Ruthie Keem, and the daughter is uh, her Manuela's daughter's out of the picture. Beautiful daughter. So that's that. We are there, and and uh, let me bring this link up. I, I logged us in there and bring that link up to discuss at the end of this video. Um, there were there was a water baptism in Jesus' name, Sister Ruth. Uh, two people came forward for the Holy Spirit. Uh, baptism and they were fully baptized in the Holy Spirit. Two healings occurred at the altar after we turned off the camera and we give Jesus Christ all praise and glory for this. He told me there would be miracle signs and wonders and there were. Everything the Lord said would happen, would happen. I'll play this really short video of a water baptism, sorry about that, the, the volume's low on this, of the water baptism of Sister Ruthie King. We love this sister. God did mighty things in her life. She received a water baptism and a Holy Ghost baptism. I gave for water baptism in Jesus' name is Acts 2.38 and 2.39. I told her to go home and read it, and she said I wrote it down. Um, I asked anybody else out there if they wanted to be baptized, um, so that's Acts 2.38 and 39. And then the sister, uh, Shell here, said, how do you feel? And she said, clean. Um, there's another, someone else took video of this, of another angle that might have better audio, but uh, I'm telling you. I've seen Sister Ruth on uh, social media for three years, and to be able to meet her in person, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, and was water baptized, and she's going to give her testimony up here a little higher. I'm, I'm kind of behind on my Facebook, so in real time. I'm <laughs> Here's another picture. Now, Brother James, see him over here? He's taking this picture. If you zoom in on this picture, let me see if I can do this, you can see that we're at the... Um, does it allow zooming on here? Council Chambers. So this is where the decision will be made and we checked in. 
Uh, I guess in Arizona you're supposed to wear layers because the temperature can vary. Council chambers, yeah. The, the temperature can change uh, so fast. You know, we didn't get that memo because <laughs> it did get cold, so that's why you see them layered up and we're not. Uh, so we're going to continue um, continue going on up in this uh, scroll here. She gives her testimony here, right here. I'm going to put it in here for you to see of what occurred. Pause the, the video at this point. There's Brother James. He's getting ready to take off. He's still there. He stayed another day, and he's about ready to catch a flight, I believe, in one hour. So we pray for him. He sent me a picture of what his house looks like in Denver. It's covered in snow. So here's her testimony on that pause it and read it she puts it in uh, uh, she puts it in uh, words that uh, that are just amazing everybody in the room was blessed by the presence of the Holy Spirit um, so having said that I want to close out saying this everything that Jesus Christ said would happen that I wrote down uh, he, he was uh, he was faithful and true to that everything that he said would happen did happen I heard that this morning there was the most amazing sunrise in Phoenix ever the guy has it on video uh, mr. BB 333 matter of fact that video is on here so here it is right here let me show you well I don't have his permission I don't know him personally but see the sunrise sheet now the clouds he's driving on the same freeway we drove on the whole time we we're there we we're up and down these freeways all the time it's very beautiful there I love it and I miss it already I would live there so uh, when I checked into the Phoenix City Council Chambers it sounds like the you know they when they did this in Michigan Michigan has poisoned water they brought down the Ten Commandments and they want to erect a bathroom there or already have and they're in Oklahoma that we marched around the Capitol there seven times they're having more earthquakes ever in any other area in the whole entire world you can call it fracking you can call it whatever but the earthquakes are intensifying in frequency and magnitude just like Jesus said there's a conversation going on here and I'm on here and what I'm doing is I am representing Jesus Christ and, and I'm warning them personally, do not allow this prayer to Satan. And so far, there's only two of us on here standing up for Jesus Christ. And it's this sister right here, whom I don't know, and myself. I'm going to put a link to this. This is the page for the Phoenix City Council. They have till February 17th to make this decision. And this is, this is, what, the, this is what I want to say. And here's the address where we were at. Here's a phone number you can call, 602-495-6497. Sound off on this website. Here's what, here's what I want to say concerning this prayers to Satan. You pray to Satan, you'll reap Satan. <laughs> exactly what I said in this comment to this sister here. They say they don't believe in Satan. Well, then why are they insisting to pray in something they don't believe in? It's a mockery of God. And if, if, if they're at some point, this is sweeping the nation, these prayers to Satan. At some point, 
a state has to decide that we're going to choose God, uh, that the government rests on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. It says in the government, he, he's wonderful, mighty, uh, counselor, prince of peace. And it says in the government rests on his shoulders. So someone has to take a stance if it's unpopular, uh, you know, with the with the the government, the Supreme Court has ruled that this is discrimination. Look, what matters is uh, what the Bible says. Is, and, and one state needs to take a stand and say, look, we believe in Jesus Christ, and we will put no other gods before him, and we will not allow anyone to pray to Satan here, because we will be cursed by God, and we do not want to be cursed by God. We're going to stand on what the Bible says, and what Jesus Christ says, and if you don't like that, too bad. Because we have to stand in judgment of Christ Jesus, and we cannot allow these prayers to Satan. There, there has to be a state. Every state that has allowed this has come under some type of judgment from God. And if Arizona, I believe the vote is four or five not to in a lawsuit, let's lift up this council in prayers that they make the right decision. Come on and share your testimony. Pray for them. Uh, you know, share Jesus Christ because you want to. You want to witness to people. We can. We can explode their website here's a art there's th only three pictures on this page and one of them is us you can you can blow up this website with uh telling them please do not allow prayers to satan i don't care what the supreme court said the supreme court said it's okay to be gay i'm praying that the state that will take a stand uh, against Prayers for Satan will be Arizona, and I'm praying for them if they uh, if they cave into political correctness and pressures of lawsuits. I ask you to join me. Jesus Christ said, "If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father." He said, "If you're don't," he said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm on here." You know, I'm under supernatural attack from the Church of Satan because in my sermon there, I publicly rebuked them. And you know what? Uh, there's more power in the prayers of three Christians than there is in the whole entire Church of Satan worldwide. We have the power. We have the witness. We have the testimony. Choose ye today whom you're going to serve. And the Lord has told me another thing. Our work is not finished. We have more work to do. Jesus Christ is tearing, and why he tearing, we have labor to do. We have work to do for the Lord. It's not over yet, saints. Sound off. I'll put a link to this page. Let them know how you feel about Jesus. Don't be rude about it. Just tell them that you choose Jesus. Don't pray to Satan. The... the, the, the the future of Arizona, I, I'm telling you, rests on this decision. If they pray to Satan and they want to invoke Satan in Arizona, what do you think God's going to say about that? He kicked Satan out of heaven. What do you think he's going to say to that if they cave on this and, and allow a prayer to Satan? I personally believe in my heart that they will not allow it. But Arizona caved. Uh, not Arizona, but Oklahoma caved. And now look what's happening in Oklahoma. They removed the Ten Commandments. And they're under judgment. 
Sure. No, 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 no. It's already bad enough that we got the GMO mosquitoes that are causing, I think, they launched this test, these genetically modified mosquitoes in Brazil, and now we have an outbreak of the Zika virus spreading like mad, and over 4,000 babies born uh, uh, with serious birth defects, and there's no other way. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Genetically modified mosquitoes? Well, now... UK scientists want to have been allowed to genetically modify human embryos. British scientists have been given the green light to genetically modify human embryos for the first time. The experiment will be carried out by Francis Crick Institute in London and are to take place on embryos in the first seven days after fertilization. Now, scientists hope that the research will provide explanations behind what goes wrong in miscarriages and a deeper understanding of the beginnings of the human life. Now that the Human Fertilization and Embryo Authority has been given permission for these experiments, they could begin in the next few months. Although scientists will be legally allowed to genetically modify human embryos, they will not be allowed to implant those embryos into a woman. Uh, lead scientist on the project, Dr. Kathy Nikin, said earlier this year she wants to understand what causes common problems such as miscarriages and infertility. We would really like to understand the genes needed for a human embryo to develop successfully into a healthy baby. The reason why it's so important is because miscarriages and infertility are extremely common, but they're not very well understood, she said. Francis uh, Crick Institute Director Paul Nurse told BBC News, the research will enhance science understanding of the IVF success. Quote, I am delighted that the HFEA has approved Dr. Nikens' application, and Dr. Nikens' proposed research is important for understanding how the human, a healthy human embryo develops and will enhance our understanding of the IVF success rates by looking at the very earliest stage of human Development, Folks, I'm going to say right now, this is a dangerous, 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 dangerous place to go. It's directly against the Word of God. The Lord plainly said not to mess with the seed. It's not just the seed and, 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 and the messing with the genetics of the seeds that we plant or the mixing of them. But obviously, when you start talking about the seed... Of, of human existence, you're, you're dealing with the very beginning of life itself. And uh, by mo genetically modifying it, the purpose is to figure out why there's miscarriages. Well, I, I think the problem you have here is we can't trust the science. We can't trust those behind the science. In many cases, we believe that there is, without question, and there's tons of proof on this, 
that there has been a push uh, to manipulate the DNA of the human race. We can take that back if we want to all the way into the Bible. When the sons of God looked upon the daughters of men and saw that they were fair and went in among them and had children with them, men of great renown who became giants. In other words, Nephilim. These were the sons of the fallen ones. The DNA was corrupted. Matter of fact, God even said at one point, man has corrupted all flesh. And so he even said he would need to destroy the earth because of it. And would have destroyed all human existence had not Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We've had giants before and after the flood. We know that Hitler and Himmler and the, and those that were involved in the uh, uh, the Nazis in trying to create the perfect human race through backbreeding and through satanic ritual charged uh, impregnation. We understand they were working diligently back in the late 30s and early 40s to create a genetically modified human being or human race. I believe they were trying to bring back the Nephilim themselves. And here we are now uh, under the guise of science messing with the seed of man, the seed of human beginnings. The, the, uh, the, the Genetically modify Every time we genetically modify anything, look what's happened with the wheat and, and the barley and the corn that's genetically modified. It does not have the nutrition. It does not have uh, the vitamins.